Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. here. Good morning to you at home. And uh, it's great to be here with you. And we will have that coffee one day, Mike. And it's so neat to come to a community where I'm known as Talia's dad. uh, I think it's been the other way around for a few years. I love Luke. I love Luke's gospel. Uh, It's my favorite gospel. I'm working through it again at the moment. Not working through it. I'm, I'm enjoying the journey through it at the moment. And uh, I've written four books and I was just reflecting on the way down this morning that, that all, all the books that I've written actually are immersed in the first four chapters of, of Luke. Uh, my first book's called Suddenly and, and the middle chapter is all about the father heart of God which I'm going to share in a minute from, from Luke 3. And the second book was Favoured about how uh, as followers of Jesus there's actually more favour for us than we realise and, and the word favour in, in this translation, the New Revised Standard Version, appears seven or eight times in the first four chapters of Luke. And then the third one is called Spirited. And our Bible reading today started off that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. After his temptation, it says Jesus came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And he ministered then in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes to the temp, to the synagogue, and, uh, and it says, led by the Spirit... He opened the scroll. And then the last book's called The Freedom Journey. When Jesus opened the scroll and he started reading, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, dot, 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 and to pronounce liberty or freedom to the captives. So, so I love this, this, uh, this opening foray into the season of Lent in, in Luke. I just want to share three words this morning. And if you've heard me speak before, you'll know these words. Identity, security, and destiny or purpose you know the whole world starts with purpose what's your purpose what's your destiny in life purpose is about doing most of us find our purpose through what we do through what we achieve through what we study it's not a bad thing to achieve things it's not a bad thing to know where you're going it's very helpful to know where you're going but it's not necessarily the starting point some of you are a lot closer to remembering this than I am but you know when you're in year 10 you're asked to choose your subjects for year 11 and 12 and when you haven't got a clue what to choose they say think of what you want to do in life what if you don't know what you want to do what if you so then you say uh well well, can you give me help with that think well think of what you want to study at uni and you go I don't even know if I want to go to uni Uh, and so it's all about doing you get to my stage in life And people say, well, you know, you're going to retire one day. What are you going to do when you retire? And so our world is obsessed with doing, which isn't a bad thing because we need to get things done. But as the foundation of our being, as as the core of our our self-image and self-esteem, it's important to remember that we're not human doings, but human beings. And so we spend most of our energy, most of our effort, most of our focus Uh, much of our evaluation around the whole thing of destiny and then we hope that that destiny will provide some security have I got enough is my barista job is my uh, is my uh, Coles 
shelf stacking job giving me enough to uh, be able to buy my lattes? Is it, is it going to pay my, my uh, uni debt? Uh, does it get me to move out of my parents' house? You know, have I got enough? And then all of a sudden, the doctor says, congratulations, and you go home and you go, how are we going to feed this kid? We can't even feed ourselves. <laughs> have we got enough? We have to move into a bigger unit. <laughs> you get to my age and people go, so you're going to do the lap? The what? You're going to go around Australia? Well, I did the maths. If you want a decent caravan, it's 50k. If you want something that can tow a decent caravan, it's 80k. $130,000 to do the lap. Have we got enough, honey? You know, how's my superannuation account going? Can we afford to retire? You know, security is not just about how much you've got, but a lot of us look to our ability for security. I can remember the first day uh, after my 30th birthday when I tried to, you know, the backyard had a, a, a post and rail fence on it and I'd put my hand on the post and sort of scissors over and one day I found myself tangled in a mesh of barbed wire and I thought, well, that's a bit strange. So I went back and tried again. Same result. I just couldn't do it anymore. All of a sudden, my world of security disintegrated due to my diminishing ability. <laughs> so if you place your security into things that don't last, again, it's a shaky foundation. And so focusing on our destiny, hoping that will provide a sense of security, we then give a little bit of time to our identity, usually in a crisis <laughs> or at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but most of the world is in identity avoidance. Uh, not because it doesn't think it's important, but just because of the all-consuming nature of destiny and security. Here's the key. You can't arrive here at your identity, knowing who you are, by starting with your destiny. It's an impossible journey. And so we look in the Bible and we see that our identity is gifted which means our identity is received. John chapter 1, 10, 11, 12, 13, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But to all those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Children not born of the will of man, but children born of God. And so even before you believe, you receive. From receiving, we grow into believing. Out of our identity, we start to live secure. And so in Luke chapter 3, the chapter that sets up our Bible reading for today in Luke chapter 4, the two go hand in hand. In Luke chapter 3, it says that Jesus came into the wilderness to be baptized by John the Baptist. And when Jesus was baptized, three things happened. The Bible says that heaven was opened. Because with the person of Jesus into the world, there is now a new covenant. The old covenant is, is being fulfilled. The old covenant is being transformed. There's now a new way. When Jesus comes into the world, the heavens are opened and they don't get shut up again. When Jesus dies, the curtain in the temple is ripped in two and it doesn't get sewn up again. The presence of Jesus means you have access. And access is a core part of your identity. As a son, as a daughter, you have identity, you have access. So heaven is opened. Secondly, the Father speaks. And thirdly, 
the Spirit is present in the form of a dove. And when the Father speaks, he says three things. Firstly, he says about Jesus, this is my son. Secondly, he says that I'm well pleased with him. I love him. And thirdly, he gives him a nickname. He calls him Beloved. This is my son, the Beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it in the, uh, the message paraphrase, he says, uh, this is my son, pride and joy of my life, and I love him. The father shouts it in my imagination. Hey, everyone, <laughs> this is my boy. <laughs> this is my main man. His name's Jesus. I call him beloved, and I love him. I love him to pieces. And the important thing about this, this is, the, this is the public affirmation of Jesus' eternal destiny as a son. And it's before he has moved into his destiny. He hasn't called a disciple, hasn't changed water into wine, hasn't given the Sermon on the Mount, hasn't done any public teaching, hasn't gone to the cross, hasn't died and restored humans to the Father again. Before he has done, the Father declares he is. You are. So your identity, the same as Jesus, because the Bible says again and again that you are in Christ. Over 80 times Paul uses that phrase, in Christ. You are joined with Christ. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. Christ died as me. Christ now lives through me. That means my identity is caught up with Jesus. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that we haven't been given a spirit of slavery to lead us back to fear. You know, am I a son? Aren't I? <laughs> am I a daughter? Do I belong? No, we've been given a spirit of adoption. We've been given a spirit of sonship, of daughtership, Romans 8 says, whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. God's spirit, Romans 8 says, speaks to my spirit and your spirit and tells us that we are sons and daughters, heirs, joint heirs with Jesus so if you're a joint heir what that means is that what Jesus gets you get so if Jesus gets called the beloved by the father you get called beloved if Jesus gets called son then you get called daughter son if the father says over Jesus I love you then he says over you I love you this isn't this isn't about a feeling this isn't about an emotion although it will certainly lead to good emotions this is about a declaration of truth you see because in your life not everything that is true is the truth you know, it may be true that last night you looked at porn. But the truth isn't that you're hopeless without a future. It may be true that you were rude to someone and that you were envious and covetous. But the truth is not that you're a derelict. You know, there are things about you that are true, but they don't form the truth. The truth is established. The truth is given. The truth is implanted. The truth is decreed. The truth is avowed. The truth is attested. And as a joint heir in Jesus, it's you're a daughter or a son. You're beloved. I'm well pleased with you. I love you. What, what do you mean you're well pleased with me? Well, he's not well pleased with you because you've fulfilled your destiny. He's not well pleased with you because you've ticked off certain key markers in your security. He's well pleased with you because he's your father. So please, please, you're important, but just for a moment, the emphasis is not on you, but it's on him. Okay? So there have been plenty of times in my, uh, my upbringing where my parents um, should have thrown the book at me, 
but they, they didn't. They disciplined, uh, but my performance didn't stop me from being their son because they were good parents. Now, I understand that not everyone in this room has had that experience of good parents and solid parents. But with God, he is true. He is faithful. He's reliable. He's consistent. And if your identity is gifted, and if your identity is received, and some of you are saying, well, how come I don't always feel, how come I don't always experience this identity as a son or a daughter? How, how come it's not always my living reality to live out of this sonship and this daughtership that's been given to me? Well, here's the thing. If I am in Christ, Christ is in me, Christ died as me, and Christ lives through me, the devil, the world, my, my, uh, my dark side, the old Adam, the old person, it can't get to me if I am in Christ. So it can't rob me of my identity. Here's the thing. What happens is that the devil tries to erode our identity by attacking our security. I know you heard it, but I'm going to say it again. The devil, the world, it tries to attack the establishment and the foundation of our identity by attacking our security. If the devil can get us to doubt what God has decreed, then we live life out of half realities. We live life in assumption we live life in deduction, we live life in uh, logic rather than in declaration of truth. We sometimes live out of what may be true, but not what is the truth. So here he is, the father over Jesus, this is my son, and now we come to Luke chapter 4, finally, we get to our Bible reading, and Jesus is in the wilderness, he's been fasting 40 days, 40 nights, it's a long time, and uh, the devil comes along, and he sees Jesus at a vulnerable point and he says to him, if. It's only two letters. So damning. So condemning. So eroding. You'll hear it in your own life. You'll hear it in the negative voice in your mind. If. And he doesn't say, if you are the Christ. He doesn't say, if you are the promised one. He doesn't say, if you are the saviour. What the devil does is he comes and he says, if you are the son of God. You see, if, if is a, a questioning phrase. And what the devil is doing is what was implanted was sonship. So the devil says, experientially, Jesus, experientially, circumstantially, it doesn't look as though you're living in the fullness of, of being the father's son. If you are a son, if what he said is true, why are you in this wilderness? Why are you hungry? He's not a good, good father. That's just a song. You know, he's not looking out for you. Why are you hungry? Why have you been left alone like this? Why are you deserted? Why are you in a Judean wilderness? And he's trying to get Jesus to be the master of his own destiny. Jesus, he's forgotten about you. He's not faithful. He's not true. He's forsaken you. You're abandoned, Jesus. You know you're abandoned because you feel hungry. See those rocks, Jesus? See those rounded rocks from the Judean wilderness that just look like a cob from Baker's Delight? 
You know what you can do with it, Jesus. Go on, test it out. You have to be self-reliant here, Jesus. If you're going to move into your destiny, you've got to look after yourself. He's gone. He's not there. He's not looking out for you. It's up to you, Jesus. You can do it. And, and you know, if you and I think that this is some holy, pious moment and Jesus wasn't tested, then you haven't fasted for more than four hours. But I reckon Jesus was starting to smell the bakery. And uh, the, the deprivation from food, but also the, the heightened alertness of his condition that, that would have had him wanting to, uh, to test that out. That, that there would have been a thought in the mind, what, what is this really all about? But the very second the thought enters his head, so Jesus turns to the word and he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, he, well, he doesn't say get behind me, Satan, but he says, man cannot live by word alone, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, and so he doesn't, he doesn't argue with the devil. He doesn't end up into a debate. He doesn't justify, but he rebukes the lie. And in rebuking the lie, he's affirming the truth. Do you know it's very hard to argue with the devil? You know why? Because he's a spirit being and you're flesh. And spirit beings don't need to sleep. Uh, so you, it's, whatever you do, when it comes to the attack on your identity through your security, whatever you do, do not allow yourself to be duped into a power struggle. It's not about more reading of the word. It's not about longer prayer times because the devil will stay awake longer than you. It's not about more knowledge. He knows more than you. It's not a power issue. It's an authority issue. See, there's a difference between power and authority. Uh, if I want to get into Jeremy's house using power, uh, it may take me a couple of hours and it will involve a baseball bat and gloves. Uh, if, however, Jeremy has invited me for coffee and he's not going to be home and he's given me the alarm code and a key, uh, it won't take me a couple of hours, it will take me a couple of seconds. The first one, I have power and it leaves a mess. The second one takes a couple of seconds because I've got the right to be there. Uh, so the gifting of your identity, according to John chapter 1, but to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. This isn't, well, it's my right. It means he's given you keys. He's given you the right to be in the house. He's given you access. And so you've got access to be there. So as the devil attacks our security, we use the access we've been given, the keys to lock and to unlock, and we say no to the lies of the enemy, and we say yes to our identity as daughters and sons. I say no to the lie that I'll be stuck in this forever. And I say yes, Holy Spirit, to you journeying with me so that next month, what's an issue today will be less of an issue. And next year, what was last year's issue is now forgotten. And I use your authority in the new challenges I'm facing. Whatever you do, it's this. We use the authority we've been given to stay true to our adoption as daughters and sons. Not adoption from outside of the gene pool, adoption from already being in God's family, but now 
now been given the keys, now having that right of passage where we know that we can move into our daughtership and our sonship. The biggest blessing out of this, or one of the biggest blessings out of this, is it means that we can celebrate that when things go bad, God hasn't deserted us. Because one of the things that happen is that uh, when things go bad, we, we start to wonder where God is in this. And then we start to question his benevolence and we start to question uh, his, his goodness. It's important to note in Luke chapter 4 verse 1 that it's the spirit who leads Jesus into the wilderness. Now this isn't a, a message on theodicy. This, it's not a, a sermon about the justice of God and, and why, is there, why is there injustices to... Why do bad things happen to good people? But uh, to be sure... There are circumstances and situations where we are led into for the testing of our character, for the strengthening of our faith, and for further and deeper resolve. There are other situations which we get into by our own bad choices, where when we come to crunch time, we are now still faced with the same responses if the Spirit led us there. In this, regardless of how I got there, what is my response going to be? regardless of whether the spirit led me into this or whether by default and bad choices, bad company, bad habits, heritage that wasn't absolutely rich, I'm now here, what's the way forward? And the way forward is always to return to our identity. In John chapter 13, it, uh, when, when Jesus, before he washes his disciples' feet, it, it says that, you know, that he'd turned up to the house and no one had done the basic courtesies. The, the host hadn't washed the feet, the disciples hadn't washed the feet. And it says about Jesus, and I'm quoting, knowing where he had come from and knowing where he was going, he took off his robe and began to wash the disciples' feet. You see, when you know your identity you can be so secure that you will wash feet, even though on your resume, you didn't think that feet washing was part of your destiny. <laughs> because security in your identity frees you from worldly security. And instead of having, well, this is my destiny, exclamation mark, I'll do this and this, but not that. It's here I am living in the richness of my identity, secure in the love the Father has for me, and now, well, the world's my oyster. And so we can take the low road. We can redefine our circumstances. John chapter 1 says he gave you the right to be called children of God. It doesn't say he gave you the right to a trouble-free existence. He doesn't say he gave you the right to get 150000 a year salary. He doesn't say he gave you the right to have the cutest cat in the world. You know, there are, I was going to say there are no cute cats, but my daughter's listening. My daughter's listening. <laughs> there are no such guarantees. And so we, we divest ourselves of our rights and we take up our right and we find that staying secure in our destiny and our, in our identity is a whole lot simpler. Just a couple more things before I finish. Staying in our identity is not about performance. 
the devil comes and he says to Jesus, he leads Jesus up to the, to the highest temple, to the highest point, sorry. And, and he says, Jesus, throw, throw yourself off and, uh, and uh, you know, we'll catch you. And I'm mixing, I'm mixing them up here. Let me get it right. Firstly, he takes them up and shows them in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil says to you, I will give their glory and authority for it's been given over to me and I will give it to whoever I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus says it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the next temptation, the devil took him up to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you to protect you and Jesus says do not put the Lord your God to the test three P's position secondly prestige and thirdly power these are the these are the things that the devil uses to cause us to be insecure in our identity and Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and only him. Jesus says, no, he will give us angels charge of you. My protection doesn't come from the world. My protection is not in my superannuation fund. My protection is not in my job security. Do you want job security? Absolutely, go for it, please. But that's not your protection. Uh, your protection is not the power that you have. Your protection and your prestige is in Jesus and him alone. So in this ongoing journey of staying true in our identity, you've got a choice and the choice is between striving and seeking. You know, when I go for a jog, I pull out my phone, put on Runkeeper, press go and then exert effort for five kilometers, get back, press stop, save, and I've got a record. The record is my time, my distance, my kilojoules, my minutes per kilometer. Yet before I went for a run, there was no record. And so my definition of striving is exerting effort to get a record or to get something that didn't previously exist. So if you're going to fast this Lent, I ask you to fast from striving in your relationship with God. Striving is exerting effort in order to win, earn, procure, secure a love that's already yours. Surrender it. Kill it. Give it a funeral. And instead, adopt seeking. Striving is never used in the Bible in terms of our personal relationship with God. But seeking is used literally dozens of times. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek his heart. Seek his face. Seek first his kingdom. Seeking is what I do for these things all the time. They're in the house somewhere. Are they on the laundry bench? Are they out in the garden? <laughs> the glasses exist. I'm looking for something that's already there. And so your identity is already established. And so over the season of Lent, dig deeper into what is already yours. Dig deeper into sonship. Dig deeper into daughtership. What does it mean that I'm a co-heir with Jesus? What does it mean that what Jesus gets, I get? What does it mean that I've got the right to be called a child of God? 
What does it mean that that's, that's my right? Not right as in rights, but it's my birthright. Because I've been born again. I've been adopted. I've been redeemed. I've been refounded. So we surrender, striving. And we take up a life of seeking. Seeking what is already ours. Seeking to live in the love. Seeking to hear Father and his voice and that word beloved. Not for the person next to you, but for you. It's a term of intimacy. It's a term of connection. You know, you don't go down to the, the fruit market when they're packing up your bananas and your apples. Go, thanks, beloved. You don't do that. It's a term of personal intimacy. And the Father calls you beloved. He could call you anything. He'd call you bloke. He could call you chick, but he wouldn't. But he doesn't. He calls you beloved. So be loved. Beloved. For you are. Let that be your Lenten journey. Six weeks of immersing yourself in love. Just yesterday, I got a phone call from a mate in Dunedin. Not Din- he used to live in Dunedin, Coffs Harbour. He says, um, "Sticks, we need you to come up here because uh, he says we've got a whole lot of sort of quasi-Pentecostal Baptist uh, blokes who um, talk about the love of God, but then say, oh, look, this love business—it's just getting a bit slippery. We need we need to bring in um, we need to bring in some uh, some um, a bit of guts and gumption to the love." And he said, and they're not talking about a deeper form of love. He said, you know, a few, a few laws just to sort of make sure that we stay on the love track. He said, like St. Paul and Galatians, you know, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's called the new covenant because it's new. I don't understand it. I don't understand God's love. It's so immense. It's so vast. I don't understand it. I receive it. So a Lenten journey of unpacking that for yourself. Waking up every day and going, good morning, Papa. I thank you that I'm your daughter today. I thank you that I'm your son. That may be hard for some of you. It was hard for me 35 years ago to go up to a man that I'd never been sired by, never been disciplined by, never been raised in his house, shake his hand and call him dad. That's what I did to my father-in-law on my wedding day. And after 35 years, it's the most natural thing in the world to call him dad. So over Lent, start calling him dad. Call him papa. Call him father. Call him father God. If that's too hard, start with heavenly father. But it's a journey into intimacy. It's good that you've got some disciplines. But we don't discipline our way into delight. We delight our way into discipline. And so let the delight of being a daughter, the delight of being a son, the sheer wonder that you are incredibly loved lead you to the disciplines that will help you foster this relationship. That's why Jesus knew the scriptures to say boom, boom, boom against the devil. Not because he'd been to memory verse school, but because out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father, he was secure in who he was. So Father, this Lent, And for the rest of the year and for the rest of our lives, we go deeper into your heart because of your heart for us. Would you pray out loud after me? I know it's a bit like school, but uh, it's just...
getting you to practice that. Pray out loud after me. Father, Father God, Abba God, Papa God, I call you Father because that's who you are. And because of who you are, I declare that I am your daughter or son. I receive it afresh today. I surrender striving and I take up a lifestyle of seeking, seeking your heart, seeking what it means to be beloved, living in the overflow, surrendering what may be true for the reality of the truth. I receive you a fresh Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. You know, Holy Spirit's called the counselor and he's called the, the comforter. And for those of you who have got uh, father or mother wounds and are experiencing difficulty hearing about the love of a perfect heavenly father. We rebuke the lie that God is like any earthly parent. And we no longer run to the comfort of looking good, having the latest, being the best, doing the most, because it's a fleeting comfort, but we receive comfort from you, Holy Spirit God. For the word itself calls you the promise of the Father. I'm not even caring that I'm way over time because we're just letting this sink in right now. It's permeating deeply into some of you. I know there's a, a number of you today who are who are being impacted deeply. If, if you just water the top of clay soil, it runs away. But, but right now, Holy Spirit, is, it's, uh, it's, it's not flooding because that causes damage, but it's, it's dripping. And it's not dripping from your head to your heart because that's impossible. This is a spirit-to-spirit -spirit encounter. As it says in Romans 8, God's Spirit speaks to our spirit. And so right now, your, your identity is, is being, being fed from the throne room with a resurrected Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is bringing home that deep reality, the truth of your identity. You are never, ever, ever more secure than you are as his son or his daughter. When the prodigal son came back home, he was never reinstated because he had never stopped being a son. He was restored, but he was not reinstated. so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. 
we would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.